Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes. Welcome in. It's Balloon Party 101 ESPN. The program is presented to you by Munganass, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you on today's award-winning presentation. You are welcome to text into the show anytime you would like. 314-399-9646, the Air Comfort Service text line. Jackson, good morning. Let's act like we didn't talk for the previous three hours on TMA. Good morning, Tim. How is everything Ooh, going? Wow. How was your birthday yesterday? It was great. What did hung- you do? I just hung out. It really wasn't much, anything special. Um, but had a great time. And, you know, Monday birthday is kind of tough, but I enjoyed the weekend. Uh, that's kind of more when I celebrated. So yesterday was just kind of usual day, normal day. Um, but it was great to hear from people I haven't heard of from a while saying happy birthday. That's always nice. And uh, yeah, great day. All right. Well, uh, happy birthday to Jackson celebrating the uh, 25th birthday uh he's also celebrating today's little piddles oh this one is uh this one's special this one's tuesdays with piddles questions for a curious mind is that a take on mitch albums tuesdays with maury uh no but unintentionally i guess it is which is nice okay Uh, i just wanted to i i kind of you know i like to switch it up and i thought it sounded like a movie title uh, well, it's because it was a book title and Mitch Album will be suing you here momentarily. But let's go ahead with uh, this because Chris Kerber is going to join us coming up in about uh, 10, 15 minutes. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Tuesdays with Piddles, a 25-year-old man. He's a man's man. Yep, yep. Tuesdays with Piddles, questions for a curious mind. Do you think these next two weekends for the XFL will prove how viable the product is both in and outside of St. Louis as they will go head-to-head with the NCAA tournament? Uh, I mean, if that is the judge and jury, I would uh, I would be shorting the XFL. I don't think that the XFL has necessarily uh, performed particularly well uh, besides St. Louis. So I don't think that. Am I off the mark on that, Jackson? Uh, about the performance outside of St. Louis? No, I think that is you know. Somewhat, I think St. Louis is kind of anchoring the XFL. And- 74,000 fans went to XFL games this weekend. There were four of them, and 38,000 of them were in St. Louis. Right. So, therefore, you can chop up the other approximate 48% amongst three different places and get 16% of your attendance. That is, that's not taking. Now, they have these franchises in the big markets for their television deal. So that's what it's about because logic would dictate if you put them in cities that didn't have NFL franchises, perhaps they would have 
better in-person attendance. So this is about their television deal, which would then tell me that they aren't particularly concerned about their in-person attendance. Nonetheless, St. Louis's in-person attendance gets all this traction because of the noise of the festivities on Sunday. So I, I don't consider the next couple of weeks uh, the judge and jury for the XFL. Sure. Sure. Uh, all right, moving on to some NFL talk. There seems to be a standstill on the Aaron Rodgers news as Trey Wingo and Dove Kleiman are reporting that Rodgers to the Jets is all but complete. However, NFL Network and ESPN are not confirming and do not believe the deal is complete at all. What do you make of this? Do you think Rodgers is really going to New York? Why would Wingo report this? Why aren't there more credible sources confirming what is going on? Uh, I think the fact that the Jets acquired uh, Alan Lazard from the Packers uh, is a sign that that is trending in the direction of Rodgers going to the Jets. So if I had to wager, that is where things are going to wind up. Right. And I agree. I, I think he is going. I just I, it's like this like weird like standoff between NFL insiders on if he actually is that the deal is complete or not. And I just it is confusing. I was refreshing Schefter all day yesterday and not seeing anything. So um, I just thought it was interesting. Uh, moving on. Ahead of the tournament, what are your thoughts on the extension of Dennis Gates? Do you think it was premature or do you think it was good to lock him up before someone else came a knocking? Oh, Jackson, this is this is worthy of a, an hour long conversation. But what what happens is, is these these are done in the moment usually of high emotion and a matter of an hour or two after beating Tennessee would fall into the category of high emotion. But there, uh, you have to view them through the perspective of, okay, what if things go wrong, as well as what if things continue to go in the right direction? So I personally, when it comes to the Gates deal, like it. But that is because I buy in to Dennis Gates, bought into Dennis Gates from the moment of his first press conference in Columbia. Uh, candidly, beforehand, I had never heard of him uh, until Missouri hired him, and I suppose he was on the list, the short list of candidates. What you don't want to get into is a spot that they had with Conzo Martin, but the deal structure was different. We had Gabe DeArmond on TMA yesterday, and I wanted to ask about that, and we got into it because Conzo Martin was in a spot where he essentially could not be fired um, for three years. And then if they went to the NCAA tournament, he added a year to that. And that is why Missouri was kind of boxed in by him. So you don't want to be in that spot. At the same time, a spot you want to be in and even less is you think you might have the coach for the foundation of your program. And with a bunch of jobs opening up, as is the case in college basketball this offseason, you lose out. So I like that Missouri was being proactive. If, in fact, they were being proactive, perhaps they got word that they were going to have to compete with somebody else. And uh, either way, it is now $25 million for somebody to uh, get Dennis Gates from the University of Missouri. And if you feel like you got your guy, you lock him up. It's just one of those things that uh, you are now pot committed to him for the next few years. Hopefully he can keep the momentum that he got going in 2022, 2023 going on for the next few years. Yeah, I agree. And I think, uh, you know, a big difference between him and Conzo was, you know, Conzo's first year, obviously an unbelievable uh, recruitment class, but there was a lot of doubt. There was questions about what would happen after that. Dennis Gates has already locked up three, four star recruits coming to Missouri next year. So, 
Right. I, I that's like, a big difference. That's an important difference. Right. Because, you know, and, and Conzo wasn't the in-game coach that Dennis Gates is. And you could tell the difference on that d- day one, how different the offense and defense works under Gates, uh, much so different than it did under Conzo. Uh, we discussed this briefly on TMA, but I'd like to discuss it further and get the audience opinion. Which STL team, colleges included, do you think is closest to winning a championship? If you had to place a bet on the next team to take home some hardware, who would it be? Well, I mean, if we count the Battle Hawks, then I would say the Battle Hawks. Right. I, I would think that that would be also... That's my answer as well. But I want, okay. I want to see what the audience thought. Maybe some people had some different All right. opinions. Uh, yeah, te- text in. I mean, it, part of it is, and I, and I said this on TMA this morning, from a gambling standpoint, to not bet the Battle Hawks this past Sunday was uh, just an illustration of terrible, terrible gambling instincts. I missed out on it. And two minutes into the game, not even two minutes into the game, I'm going, oh, my God, how did I miss this? Because the Battlehawks were given three or three and a half points, depending on where you were shopping your lines. But for the people who are playing in that game, the vast majority of them had not experienced an atmosphere like that in a very long time because they were, you know, college players who hadn't played in a while or mm-hmm. maybe the last few guys on an NFL roster who hadn't played in a while. Maybe they got to play in the preseason. Point being, that noise was actually impactful to the game. And also psychologically, it's beneficial to the Battle Hawks and just football fundamentally and mechanically, it's difficult for an offense to navigate that kind of noise, which is just something that's never been said in the XFL before. And it was such a material advantage for Battlehawks. Now, that doesn't mean absolutely they would cover that number, but it certainly was a factor that I don't know if Las Vegas could quantify. And so to leave that out there was a miss. But going forward, when they play at home, I wonder if Las Vegas will quantify that. And looking as far as futures go for a championship, I mean, if you were to take the Battlehawks out of it, I would tell you the Cardinals. And I would say that that strikes me as an incredibly obvious answer. I don't even know who would be in second place. Um, But if you include the Battlehawks and the semifinal game is in St. Louis, which it certainly can be, and there are only seven other teams – I really like my bet there, right. so uh, I, I would I go Battlehawks. I concur. And if I had to put a second-place team, I would probably say the Cardinals. Uh, I know City is obviously top of the table, but it's such a long season, and you know I think a lot of people anticipate the, the shoe might drop a little bit on the on the dogs, but uh, I would say the Cardinals will probably be in second. I'd be curious to win. I mean, if, if, if the dogs were to win – you know, the MLS championship in an expansion year, that would be one hell of a story. I mean, I would love it. They certainly play a style that has been beneficial so far. And uh, and its in, intention is to be chaotic for its opposition because of the fact that they are an expansion team. Super fun to watch and certainly working. And they've won two road games. Um, but I just think from a realistic standpoint, that would be that would be a mighty big ask. Right. Yeah, concur. I concur. And then the final question, and I apologize if I butcher the name here. I'm pretty sure I got it right, but I apologize. Seeing Kehu Kwan and Harrison Ford reunite almost 40 years after Temple of Doom warmed my heart. What are some current and all-time sports reunions you would like to see uh, for the all-time portion of it? Maybe the duo would sit down and uh, record a podcast, answer questions, tell stories about their playing days. What are some reunions you would really like to see in sports? 
Oh, wow. A Jordan Pippen reunion would be really weird right now if all the families were invited. Yeah, that would be interesting. <laughs> um, let's see. What would put me in a good place? Oh, man. So even though it's only been a few years, the 2019 Blues, just those boys getting together and talking it over up on a stage. I know that time will come. And it'll probably go on forever. They'll be doing that all the way until they're in their 80s. That puts me in a good place. The MV3 for the Cardinals puts me in a good place. Yeah. Nationally, uh, Jackson, what are you thinking? Uh, The first thought that came to my mind, which would be an interesting like podcast or questionnaire kind of thing, would be Jeter and A-Rod. I think that would be... Um, yeah, now that they're partners again. Yeah, that would be uh, interesting just to hear some of the stories. I mean, two all-time greats in the same locker room in New York City. Pretty interesting stuff to me. Uh, so that's what I like, kind of go to first. Uh, hearing Bird and Magic just kind of talk, you know, tell stories always. I mean, they've done that before, but that always fascinates me. Uh, getting a million texts on it. The greatest show on turf reunion. Roger Clemens, Mike Piazza, um, I, uh, Hull and Oates. Uh, Kareem and Magic, Dan Deerdorf, Jim Hannafin, and the late great Conrad Dobler, Whitey and Ozzy, Jack Buck and Whitey Herzog, uh, Urban Meyer and the 2021 Jaguars. Yeah, <laughs> the a, kicker boy, for sure. Be, be a out of a magical time. <laughs> Yachty and Albert in 30 years. That'd that would be great. Be a, yeah, uh, that's a good play. Just for pure entertainment, Brett Hull and Mike Keenan, uh, Kurt Warner, Dick Vermeil. Yeah, you can never go wrong with that one. Yeah, for sure. Um, as well. Yeah, that's a, that's a that's a that's a nice question. Uh, all right, uh, Chris Kerber is going to join us coming up here on the other side of the break. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson, with you. This is Mungan's presentation of Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. This is Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. Our presenting sponsor is Munganass St. Louis Acura and Alton Toyota. Just go online at stlouisacura.com or altontoyota.com. Tim McKernan and Action Jackson with you here for one hour. And it is our pleasure to welcome to the program as he joins us every Tuesday, ladies and gentlemen, the voice of the St. Louis Blues, Chris Kerber. Morning, Kerbs. Morning, Tim. How are you today? I am wonderful. How are you doing? What's the good word? Tell me the good word. All right. You know what I was looking yesterday? I was looking at a couple things. One of the things, Alex Ovechkin, you know, who, who missed a little bit of time to go home because his dad was sick. But Alex Ovechkin is now just 78 goals shy of Wayne Gretzky's goal record. And, you know, some were thinking it might take another, you know, three or four years going into this year. But the guy just hasn't slowed down. He's got 36 goals already. I don't know, and, and, and it doesn't look like the Caps are going to make the playoffs, but who knows, there's, there, there's still a chance. Uh, but, you know, and obviously we're talking regular season goals, but at, at this kind of pace, there's a good chance it's not next year, but the year after that, like we're, we're less than two full seasons away from him setting the all-time goal-scoring record for the National Hockey League. Yeah, that doesn't seem to be getting near the attention that one would think. Well, you, you know what? This... This kind of thing, this is this is one of hockey's great challenges. It's going to get a lot more attention when he gets, obviously, I think, within 50. But you know that he's not going to get there next year. And he, I mean, I guess he could put up a 78-goal season. We have seen those before in the NHL. And Connor McDavid's on uh, 
you know, torrid pace right now, but he's still looking at maybe 65 this year. So it's, it's not completely on the radar screen enough, I think, too. However, I, I do think that compared to other sports, uh, when, when big things happen, when a team changes a general manager, when certain deals are done, things like that, uh, the one challenge the National Hockey League still has will is, is really fighting some of the mainstream talks. I mean, look, recently, you know, Stephen A. Smith and, and that, their, their first take show, whatever they call that show, uh, <laughs> one guy asked one guy asked one guy recently and well it caused a stir on social media it's the only reason I actually know about it but one guy asked the question of uh, who's going to be the next team to win a championship in New York and one of the panelists on the show said the New York I saw Rangers, it it was it was and, it was Michael and K and, and Stephen A. Smith uh, and and Stephen A. Yeah, Smith said he did right. not uh, count hockey yeah, and he said, and 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 yeah, of course. And then you know, then the hockey mafia goes nuts, and and you know, and and he kind of, and then he has to put up some fake thing, you know. But but the whole point of it, even there, even on a network where you're one of their properties, the guy asked the question, "Who is the next Rangers franchise to win a championship?" Michael Case says the New York Rangers, and the guys on ESPN said, "Well, that doesn't count." And you're like, <laughs> okay, but but it's but. It, it's an interesting thing, but it, I, here's here's the flip side of this. You continue to see things like to me. It's always it, it takes such a while to get even into the bigger conscious. But the the number of people so like had had Sean Corrali played for the Columbus Blue Jackets the other night, there would have been three Blue Jackets players that are from Ohio playing in that game. You know, th- there's little things like that that show you the continued growth of the game. But from a talking head standpoint or whatever, certain things just don't get the attention quite that it would deserve, I would think. Yeah, there, there, there's something to be said for that. Also, I'm sure a lot of people just don't want to see him uh, break Gretzky's record. Perhaps something similar to what uh, Roger Maris was dealing with in 1961 with, with Babe Ruth. Where do you think he would be, Ovechkin that is, without three lockouts in his career? I mean, he missed the equivalent of two full seasons, plus he had the COVID here. So we got to we got to factor in some he, math he, here. He'd have blown past it. He yeah. would have blown past it. Yeah, yeah, that's a that, that's a great point. You know, there was only 48 games in in that 12-13 season and he had 32 goals that year. You know, now, well, I actually and wait a minute, in all fairness, maybe he wouldn't have blown past it because so he had because he was drafted first overall in in 2005. So he was the first uh so or two when was he drafted? He was he was first overall in in uh, in oh four. Sidney Crosby was oh five. So he was drafted first overall in all four. So yeah, maybe he does come in that first year right before the lockout or, or during the lockout and score because his rookie year scored fifty two goals. So yeah, he might be he might have blown past it already. That's a great point. Yeah, that uh, that's something that uh, I had uh, a friend of mine who's listening to our conversation text in and said, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, he missed essentially, you know, the equivalent of two full seasons. And, and if you think about where he would be with that, uh, he would be right around that number uh, already. Hey, I wanted to ask you this, and uh, in, in, I like these big picture kind of looking back questions. And now that you've had, is it, what are we at? Do we have 23 seasons with the Blues, 22 seasons? Uh, no, this is... Uh yeah, it was the twenty third year with the team. I guess twenty second season because of that lockout. The okay. Got it. Okay. All right. Up, but yep. So, so here is here is a question, and and I've been uh, doing either television or radio for all of the years that you've been calling the Blues, and so it allows us to look back on happier times 
and then get your perspective on this question. Since you have been calling Blues games, there have been a lot of good teams. Obviously, this year a disappointment, but uh, there has been a sustained period of success going into this season. Which teams, in your opinion, were the Blues' best chances to win the Cup but came up short, and in your opinion, why? There is one team that I think you may mention that I think for a lot of fans perhaps will fly under the radar. And I want to see if we're on the same page, but I don't want to give it away until you uh, give your answer. There is one team that truly stands out to me in that class, and that would be the 2003 team. Ah, that's the one. We're on the same page. That, now, why that, do you say that? that? Yours? That yeah. was mine as well. They, that was a team that was up 3-1 on the Canucks, and then everybody got sick. And I think some of the powerhouses, like the Avalanche and Red Wings, might have lost in the first round, so that the door was open, if memory serves. That's well, and, and that and that's really it. You had you had a lot go you had a lot go your way um, out, outside of just your own uh, outside of just your own series. Colorado loses in the first round. Detroit loses in the first round. Um, you know that that was a year that. You finished second in the division. I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, too, it was Joe Quenville's last full season uh, yeah, with the Blues, right. and they had 99. Yeah, they had they had 99 points. They had 99 points that year, but it, they just that that was that was a year that, that there were two things. One, yeah, they got sick uh, in that first round. It got it was crazy, you know. But you, you had Pavel Demetra crossing the 90-point plateau that year, which was just amazing. Scott Mellonby was playing well. Keith Kachuk, you know, was, was playing really well. Had a 30-goal season that year as well. It was just a – it was a really good, solid, strong team, you know, with, with, with Kachuk and those guys going and Al McKinnis patrolling the blue line. And the challenge that you had there, really, though, for me, was the fact that you just didn't have a goaltender. I mean, that was a year, believe it or not. That was a year they had seven goalies used that year. But I think they oh, started. Oh, wow. That was that year. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Chris Osgood. Uh, Chris Osgood was with the team. Curtis Sanford. They had called up Divas, Cody Rudkowski. And that was a year they'd even used, they even used Tom Barrasso for a couple of games. And then things just in that first round, seven game series just, just did not go very well. And, uh, and, and that's the shame of it. You know, be, I mean, but but to me, that that was the team that I felt had the best path and probably the best chance of winning the Stanley Cup out of all of them. Which is which the reason why I said it'll be interesting to see if, if we're thinking of the same one, because 2000. Now, I know you weren't with the team, though, in 2000, 2000, you have the president's trophy season. You lose to the Sharks in right. seven. 2001, you're in the Western Conference final and lose to the Avalanche in five, albeit four of those five games were uh, incredibly tight. And I think three of the five were overtime games, if not four. Well, uh, they were. They were. But that was a series, too. You had swept the Dallas Stars the season yep. before. You're on a pretty good roll. But uh, Pat, Patrick Robb was in goal for Colorado. And, yes. and Roman Turk was not going to outdo a Patrick Waugh. And- <laughs> that is correct. Brent Johnson got the start in game five. Uh, plus, if you recall, before that, Peter Forsberg had, what, some appendectomy or something like that that, that took him out. Yep. And so at that moment, you're going, oh, my goodness, the door is open. 2012 certainly felt like there was some momentum. And then the Kings went on their run. And, of course, 2016 with the Blues get into the Western Conference final. And uh, in 2022, any of those years stand out if you would put a, a silver medal around one of the uh, teams and a chance for the Stanley Cup? 
Well, I think, uh, yeah, I think after '03, uh, yeah. So one of obviously, obviously you had you you had one of the chances. I mean, to get to the conference final there in in two thousand two thousand one. You you you've got a legitimate chance there if you if you can beat Colorado, but again you ran up against the uh, you know the team that were going to win the cup. Um, I think uh, yeah, you know what? If, if you go back to the sixteen team, they were inexperienced, but they did get to the to the conference finals. And frankly, I think any team that can get to the conference finals, you've got to consider to be a le- legit contender. So to me that. There have been some really, really good teams, the early 2000 teams. Then there's the rebuild, uh, the 2016, and then, of course, the 2019 team did what they did. But that 2019 team had what none of those other teams had, and that's, that's the goaltender to be the difference maker. And the 2019 team had, had Bennington to be a difference maker. Boy, that's hey, the truth. And the I mean, team also, here's a, yeah, here's, a, here's a real quick story about the loyalty for you. And, and that, that how much the Blues organizationally believed they were close to winning the Stanley Cup. After my, after my first year with the Blues, I was on a one-year contract. And if you remember at the time, Tim, back at that, at that point in time, the, the, you know, when, when there was no local television, Ken Wilson would slide over and do the play-by-play. I would then shift into the pregame and intermission host mode. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the first, at the end of the first contract, the discussion came up in, in my contract negotiations. Okay, when uh, when does that situation end? Now that you've proven yourself uh, that you can do a season and do some games, and when does it not? And and this is fan, and I've, I've appreciated this moment forever because I, I I really have the the loyalty that that, that Jim Woodcock instilled as in his tenure with the Blues and what he said. But he he looked right at me and he said, look. We feel like we're close to winning a Stanley Cup. And if we get that far, Ken Wilson deserves to call that game. And, and so that's, that's one of the main reasons that they kept that, uh, that situation there for the next couple of years. And when they said that to me, we were at the MAC down, down in the Jack Buck Grill having lunch. And when he said that to me, I looked at Jim Woodcock. I said, I said nobody can argue with that, or with that you know, reasoning. You really can't. If, if, that that's loyalty to a guy that was going in his what, 16th, 17th year, 18th year of broadcasting for the team. And they said, no, we're close to winning a Stanley Cup. And if we get that far, it, this guy should be calling it. How about and that? Said, okay, shook hands on a new two-year contract, and, and we're just fine with it. I did not know that story. That's a hell of a little anecdote there. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great example of loyalty that I've, I've always appreciated in my career, you know? Yeah, well, the, like I said, the Blues just do things the right way. That has been the case uh, for so many years with the organization. Chris Kerber with us every Tuesday here on Munganass presentation of Balloon Party. Kerbs, always appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Fine, sir. Tim, the fact that I did not have to break down my thoughts for you on Verona's first couple games has just made my day. sir it was all in the strategy i assure you that's quite it's quite impressive i appreciate it have an awesome week you too man take it easy that's chris kerber with us here uh on uh, balloon party driven by munganast and st louis acura a number of people uh want uh, brian elliott to receive uh, credit for what took place in 2016 certainly that would be the case i mean you know he was phenomenal and for what the blues needed and how he did 
perform in that postseason. I think overall what Kerber was trying to say, I don't think he was taking a shot at Brian Elliott, but you had a, a goaltender who was just, uh, you know, I mean, saving you essentially, uh, certainly in the first, oh, I don't know, uh, 10, 15 minutes of game seven mm-hmm. of the Stanley Cup final. But then you can go beyond that, uh, whether it be against the Jets, the Stars, or the Sharks. So uh, with that all said, yeah, I look back on it, and it was weird, Jackson. I know you're four or five years old when the Blues lost to the Canucks in 2003, and it's weird because that was a first-round series. But for the players who were on that team, and there was a great core on that team, and for the people who were around that team, even though it was only the first round, and you had a President's Trophy team, albeit, granted, they lost in the first round, too. Then the next year, a team get to the Western Conference Final. 2002, they were up against that ridiculous Detroit Red Wings team with like 20 Hall of Famers on the roster, but they did get to the second round. Uh, and then you go through these teams that, that had runs here over the last 10, 11 years, but it, it, that many of them went to take your pick of the second round, or as in 2016's case, was the uh, Western Conference Final. The 2003 team is this team that is held in super high esteem by the people either who are a part of it or who were close to it. And from and, and, and they were up three to one on the Canucks and they got sick. I mean, a bunch of guys got sick and they wound up blowing that lead and losing that series. And the Red Wings and, and Avalanche, who were the powerhouses at that time, just, you know, as it, was, as it happened to be, they lost in the first round. So the door was open in the West. The team that I would draw a comparison to uh, with the Cardinals since 2000 would actually be the 2000 Cardinals. Many of the guys who are on the 2000 Cardinals who wound up winning either a pennant in 2004 or a World Series in 2006 say the 2000 team was the best or one of the best teams that would fly under the radar. It won the division and they swept the Atlanta Braves and that was with Maddox, Glavin and Smoltz, but they did not get past the New York Mets and kind of went out with a whimper. And that's when Rick Ankiel was dealing with his pitching situation and the Cardinals were, were really uh, just dominated by the Mets. But a lot of those guys view that team as the team that should have won the World Series, not necessarily the 2004 team, which is the team that many Cardinal fans would say might be the best team they ever saw in their lifetime. So that speaks to how sometimes when you're in the room or you're close to the team, you actually see things that the fan base or the media doesn't necessarily see. Because I, I've always heard about that 2003 Blues team, and I bet a lot of fans wouldn't necessarily think of that team as one of the two or three that had the best chance to win the Cup. But the guys on that team and the guys around that team really felt like that was the team. Your thoughts are welcome, as always. Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. It is 1037 in St. Louis. This time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. Tim McKernan and Action Jackson with you to the top of the hour. And we've got bracket madness going on here on 101 ESPN. Get signed up to play in this year's Bracket Madness Pick'em Challenge. Register now to participate at 101ESPN.com and fill out your bracket. It's free to enter. And this year's top score will take home a $250 Fanatics gift card and a 101 prize pack. See the contest rules and get signed up to play in Bracket Madness now at 101ESPN.com. Brought to you by Neutral and Twin Peaks. It's Bracket Madness. We'll take a commercial break. Come back with more Balloon Party here on 101 ESPN. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. Balloon party fresh off of Jackson's uh, Sports Center update. And once again, Jackson, I really just like the inflection that I'm hearing in your voice. Thank you. Uh, it's, it's, it's fun to watch you develop. It's exciting to see you're 25 now. You're hitting your prime. And I think people hear those reads. And, uh, and I think there's a little buzz in the community, candidly. I, I don't see how there couldn't be. I mean, you talk about the tournament, and that's going to bring out some, some inflection, some emotion out of me. How could it not? I mean, it's my favorite time of the year. Well, you know, you talk about the tournament and you talk about made-up stories of controversy <laughs> with media, and we're talking about Greg Gumble and all the controversy about Greg Gumble on Sunday. This is a story I had no idea about. Are you aware of the story? Not at all. I have no idea. Oh, about. really? Yeah. For his, for I, I really do fancy you, the Digger Phelps of 101 ESPN with the tie matching your Sharpie. Don't, don't let me down, Jimmy Cruz. Don't let me down, Jimmy Cruz. I got you beating Louisville. Uh, I got you beating Louisville to second round. Uh, so I'm browsing the New York Post as I am one to do when yeah. I am you know, looking to essentially eat the written word that is French fries that they serve up. <laughs> and uh, it turns out Greg Gumbel is under fire. And I'm like... Huh? I watched the I, I, I watched the program. You know, I was interested to see where the local teams were going. Yeah. So, you know, maybe I maybe I missed out on something with a with a five year old running around crazy sure. or a, a one year old. I don't know. I didn't I didn't know about this. Well, here we go. <laughs> the word choice here could have been better. I read from the. New oh, York I know Post. what this is about. So you know. Yeah. I, I, immediately, I know what this is about. Did you try to get him taken out from one of your burners on Twitter? I know you use dog avatars. New, no, that's not really my brand, but I know exactly where this is going. CBS analyst Greg Gumbel is under fire for comments made about the University of Alabama basketball team while the 2023 March Madness bracket was revealed on Sunday night as the Crimson Tide was announced as the number one seed in the South region. Gumbel made an offhand comment that referenced the ongoing murder case involving former player Darius Miles and possibly star player Brandon Miller. Quote, they sidestepped a situation involving criminal activity in which Brandon Miller was associated. He was not charged. They are here as the number one overall seed, end quote. So that is the quote that got him hashtag under fire so i then continue to read to see what has happened and well what has happened is the following quote greg gumbel burying alabama's murdering problem that's fantastic someone wrote on twitter oh god nice of greg gumbel to mention that bama quote sidestepped a situation one twitter user wrote of the accusations against miller 
Someone's dead because their best player brought a gun to a murderer and no one cares, said someone on Twitter. And that, Jackson, is the kind of thing that gets my Irish up. And I don't know if I have to apologize if I'm saying it gets my Irish up. I'm Irish, but I'm saying it anyway. This stuff drives me up the wall. Now, if someone in CBS or in college basketball had a problem with it and they were taking him to task and there were some kind of penalties for it, then I would say that Greg Gumbel is, by definition, under fire. But because somebody tweeted about it, it doesn't mean the man is under fire. These people are ad-libbing, as are we, for an hour at a time on national television, and you may oftentimes say something that if you were just writing it out, reading it off a teleprompter, you would never write it out. Right. But when you cite Twitter, which is the 2023 version of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch's 2003 version of the sound off section as some kind of credible reason to justify saying somebody is under fire, you are just pumping BS into the atmosphere. And it truly does piss me off. Now, should it really get me that worked up? Probably not, honestly. But I see this game and the manipulation that goes on. And what winds up happening is people are scared to speak honestly. And then when people are scared to speak honestly, you don't have honest communication. And then that leads to people going to burner accounts and then being asinine on Twitter or take your pick of whatever other comment section you would want, such as YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok. And that is the way that the game is played in 2023, and the game grosses me out. So is this really that big of a deal? Absolutely not. But as I was reading the story, and I'm going, man, I watched this show, and I didn't see anything that stood out to me. Then I read the quote, and I go, yeah, I guess he would probably like to have that back. Exactly. But it wasn't necessarily like being an advocate no. of you know, murder. It was just a quote, poor choice of words. Either way, fine. It happens. But then I'm reading the story and I'm going, God, I wonder what happened. This is Greg Gumbel. I mean, this guy's been doing this for decades. Right. Well, it's, it's just a handful of quotes on Twitter and that's what winds up happening. And then that becomes the headline for the story. Yeah, it's it's you're exactly right. Like we always talk about getting a putt back. If you could have a putt back, I would bet Greg Gumble would want to have that putt back. However, I don't believe he is like saying, "Oh, all is good. I'm going to make a joke out of it." And also, you're right. If someone at CBS Sports was upset with him, or yeah, someone involved with the NCAA was upset with him, that would be considered under fire. But ju- just vo- you know, people, but just people, uh, you know on Twitter, who may or may not be the real person they're saying they are, does not define somebody as being under fire. Not in my humble opinion. Well, that's just the, that's the way that news stories are done, now, both in, in print slash digital and also in television. You find the most outlandish comments from burner accounts, usually, because people aren't going to necessarily put their names on outlandish comments, so they use burner accounts. And then those are now cited as credible. And that's what that's what makes the news cycle go around. And people go, wow, I can't believe that he said that. What do you mean? Well, somebody on Twitter said it. That becomes the story. And that becomes the headline that this guy is under fire. And it's complete BS. Your thoughts are welcome. 314-399-9646. Tim McKernan Action Jackson with you. Balloon party to the top of the hour. An update on the Cardinal lineup. Is Jordan Walker back in after injuring his shoulder on Saturday? We'll have that for you next here on Balloon Party. Driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura. And Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
Welcome back. Final segment of Balloon Party here, driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN with BK and Ferrario coming up in a matter of moments. The Cardinals are back at Houston slash the ballpark of the Palm Beaches today after playing there on Saturday and then uh, Jordan Walker getting hurt on Saturday, sliding into second base in the top of the first inning. Uh, he was out on Sunday. The Cardinals were off yesterday, and Walker is back in the lineup for the Cardinals today. Donovan, Carlson, and Walker in left and hitting third, uh, followed by Contreras, Nolan Gorman playing third with Arenado and Goldschmidt doing their work for the United States in the World Baseball Classic. Juan Pez, uh, Alec Burleson, Paul DeYoung, and Kisner is your DH. Uh, Zach Thompson will be on the mound for the Cardinals as they take on the Astros. The reason for Thompson getting the start is for him to face uh, more of a major league lineup as opposed to a backfield session. So Thompson gets the ball today. Carlson hitting second in the outfield along with Burleson, but most importantly, Jordan Walker is back in there, and I am anxious to see how he bounces back from that shoulder. Sounds like both Walker and Ali Marmol not particularly concerned about it, but he was removed from that game on Saturday. I was in attendance and uh, shot a video of it and had my camera trained on him right there at second base, and I thought, oh my God, I'm actually saying it. Don't be hurt. Don't be hurt. Don't be hurt. And then he stayed in the game. But unfortunately, in the bottom half of the inning, he went back to the field but did not uh, stay in the game after the first. So he is back in there today. He is hitting third. So we'll keep an eye on that one today as the Cardinals take on the Astros uh, at 12.05 Central Start. Okay, BK and Ferrario are coming up next for Action Jackson. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party, driven by Munganas St. Louis Acura on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.